This week I have on Aaron West, host of Bleacher Report Football's Out Here and recent Webby winner. We talked about a ton of stuff, like being a dog dad, being very online on Twitter, and getting to cover the Women's World Cup. Also, how many kids he wants to fight on FIFA online on a daily basis. It was a really good one. Enjoy. Okay, so to get started, first question, since this is like a quarantine started podcast, I, you know, everyone is kind of in, I think everyone's in a closer situation to one another than previously what when I could think of. So like, how are you? How are you doing? How's everything going? I'm good. Ups and downs. Um, there, I went through probably last week was like my worst possible period. I'm a, I'm a big introvert, but like, mm-hmm. even as an introvert, I still like to see people sometimes. So like I, after like a couple months of just like not seeing anyone, but like my wife and my, my sister-in-law, my dog, I was like, all right, I, I might, I might go crazy. <laughs> it was like one solid, one solid day where I was like, really, it was probably a, a solid weekend. Like I was really going through it, like quarantine, uh, Ahmad Arbery's death, like it really, like it was when we had seen uh-huh. the video had come out, uh, all that stuff was going on. And just one, one, like a couple weekend, one weekend, I was just like, yo, this is the worst I've probably ever felt. Um, yeah. But I like got on a big ass Zoom call with a bunch of my friends, like from school and like uh, all my friends. We, we started doing that kind of regularly, like talking a couple of times a week. Um, did some herbal essences, hung out with my dog, my wife, cleared my head a little bit. Like uh-huh. it, it, it ended up, yeah, it, it worked out. Just kind of like the whole cycle of like, you need to go outside, you need to talk to people, you need to try and just do the things that make you happy. Uh, but yeah, I was going through it for for a couple of days. <laughs> well, it's funny too that you talk about like you know the introversion because like I had uh, Katie Nolan on the podcast last week and I'm the same way, she's the same way, and we kind of <laughs> got talking. It's like it's really in- easy to be an introvert when it's on your own terms and you're like able to be like you know I'm feeling outgoing today and I feel like today's right. the day that I'm going to go outside and be social and go to the bar and do this and then all of a sudden when you realize you lose that option, those big gaps that I like I myself at least like those big gaps like maybe three weeks when I didn't do much were separated by that one day when I did. And I think I realized like that gave me momentum and like that gave me enough kind of runway to then cruise for a while. And now we yeah. kind of don't have like that one day when I'm like, you know what? I won't cancel plans on my friends or I won't like blow off that yeah. thing that I said I would go to. Like I all like of a sudden those stack. I like having yeah. the option to choose not hang out. Like I don't like being forced. To not <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And like I think, I don't know if you know, he was another guest on this pod, but uh, YC and like he tweeted a few a few days ago, a few weeks ago forget when it was he's like man i hate cancel he's like i miss canceling plans and i was like you know like i'm on the same page like i actually miss like the choice the choice is everything and you know i think before we really knew like how long this was going to last like in march when it first started i had made like a little thread on twitter and said something like you know like i have worked from home for a while i've done that like here's some tips and like tricks and people like i've worked from home for years blah blah blah. and i think everyone's kind of realizing now like it doesn't matter how long you've worked from home for it doesn't matter how much of an introvert you are like everyone is desperate just for some sort of change of pace right now. And I think we're all realizing that. So I'm glad you were able to power through that week. I kind of did the same thing. That's why I'm down in North Carolina now. I was like, I just, I spent seven, eight weeks in New York City, just really cooped up, nothing to do. So I I, kind of broke, like I just rented a car and drove 10 hours straight down here. Cause I was like, I need something, anything to break up and and the weather change. And then I come down here and the weather's nicer up in New York than it is down here. But that's another (laughs) point. Um, That's how it always happens, right? Yeah. So like, I know you say like, we've talked uh, like off the podcast before and you've talked about how you do work, like you do a ton of kind of remote work already, like with people overseas and all over the place, which I think is the nature of you working, you know, with soccer, football, 
whatever we want to call it. Um, but just so our fan, the, the listeners here know what we're talking about, soccer, football. Um, so how much is your like daily routine in terms of work change? Like what's been super different? What's been the same? I would say in terms of daily routine, what I do when I'm home hasn't changed really at all. Cause when I'm home, like I, I don't have like, I don't have office work. I don't have like to check in with anybody. It's when I'm traveling and I'm shooting. So when I'm home, like I'm like, I'm making breakfast. I'm hanging out with the dog and playing video games. So that huh. hasn't changed. I just do more of that. Cause there's nothing to break it up. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, so I'm just not traveling. So the time that I would typically be home is just more. Absolutely. So we talk a lot on this podcast about, I can actually like say that now and not sound like such an idiot. Cause like, I was, I was like, we talk a lot on this podcast when we were on episode two, which I'm like, we did talk a lot about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're, we're, we're over, um, we're like pushing half a dozen apps. So like, we're good. We're good here. We're, we're established, but we talk, we talk origin stories on this podcast. So what do you want to just tell us a little bit kind of about your path, like how you ended up where you are today and just where you got your start and just all about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's funny. Uh, I like I get asked to tell the story a lot, so I have to like chop it down because it is very long. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I, I can't be long winded, but I'll, I'll I'll start. I was born, raised in North Carolina. I'm from Chapel Hill. Uh, both of my parents went to UNC. Uh, my dad was actually the first black head coach in the ACC at UNC. Coach track wow. there, um, track and field. Um, but I, I grew up. I went out three is when I got the introduction to play soccer. Um, my brother, I have a brother that's three years older. Um, but another long story short, he's hearing impaired. So my mom decided to homeschool both of us. Um, okay. <clears throat> all, so he was homeschooled from first grade on. I was homeschooled all the way through to college. Uh, so my mom's best friend introduced us to soccer and I played soccer, basketball and ran track growing up. I loved basketball, but was the shortest person possible. Uh, Loved soccer. The basketball and soccer were my two favorites. I ran track for like two years and realized that I absolutely hated it because it was just pointless running. So I quit that. Running sucks. Um, but just grew up. It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> uh, says the soccer player. Uh, but I, yeah, I grew up like I, I, I quit playing basketball when I was like 12 and was like probably four, four and realized I wasn't going to be a basketball <laughs> player. Uh, yeah. And was a lot better at soccer and just kept, I, I played select soccer through to college, um, got recruited by a couple different schools, but um, I got recruited by Stanford and my mom, when I got the call, my mom was like, you're not going to California. <laughs> I <Yeah>. got recruited <laughs> to Columbia and then she was like, you're not going to New York City. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then when uh, like the New York, the, the North Carolina schools um, came around, like I was actually verbally committed to Duke. Um, and like oh, my wow. dad was okay with that. He, he was going to accept it. He was like, I won't wear like a Duke shirt in the stands, but I'll still cheer for you. But uh-huh. like one day, um, came around, I was like 16. I was like, dude, I cannot go to Duke. I was looking in the mirror. I was like, I can't go to Duke. Just I can't, can't I like, can't do it. I cannot do it. Um, so I grew I up in a household where my dad exclusively referred to Duke as puke. So I, I get that. I he wasn't even dad. a UNC guy, but yeah, I that, so I, I get that. Dad. I think he would have disowned oh, me if me I went there. And I wasn't an athlete, but dad, yeah. Uh, <laughs> In your dad would probably be cool. But um, I ended up going to, to Davidson. I uh, thought I was going to be, like, for a while, I thought I'd be a pro soccer player. Realized very quickly I was not going to. Um, but uh, played four years in varsity. Thought I'd be a doctor. Took one bio class. Realized that wasn't going to happen. Uh, I took, a, I, took a, I like, then 
switched to economics and like took a couple classes. I was like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. And then I took, I think it was kind of metrics. <laughs> I was like, I cannot do this. <laughs> uh, but the one class that stuck with me, like the classes that I was taking were Spanish classes. They were the only ones that I really, really loved. I loved the writing aspect, the speaking aspect. So I ended up majoring in Spanish. Fast forward, I get out of college. The 2008 bank bust happened. Like everything explodes. So I'm just like, I just kind of started. Please like, enter your password. Like, like blogging. Someone needs a password, guys. What just happened? What, was that you, Zach? You guys, I don't know. It was so weird. If it happens again, we'll figure it out. <laughs> that was, we'll be all right. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, got, I started blogging like at my first job right out of college, which was like working as an education outreach company, like doing research um, and got picked up by Goal.com, started kind of doing weekly articles from them. And for the next couple of years, I just basically bounced around kind of like doing social media for a couple different companies. I would like pitch myself to small companies who had no presence and say like, Hey, I can create it for you. I'll run it for you for a little while. I'll show you how to do it. And then go from there. Uh, my now wife and girlfriend is a pro soccer player. So she was during this period in um, New Jersey, Buffalo, New mm-hmm. York, um, Seattle, Kansas city, Sweden, Russia. D- and then we finally ended up living together in dc in 2016 2015 2016 um i was trying to figure my life out i'd been doing the social media thing the blogging thing and i was like this is not sustainable uh i was gonna start getting my coaching badges i was coaching i hated coaching but it was the only way i could like stay in soccer and not mm-hmm. like go crazy and do something that i actually liked um i was like i'm not making enough money doing the social media thing so i got to do something else and it was still kind of writing, doing things. And then in 2016, I got the offer to write for Fox Soccer, go out to L.A. And that's kind of when everything changed. <clears throat> that's when I was like, oh, this soccer thing is like a viable reality for me now. Mm-hmm. So I went out to Fox, became a writer. When Fox changed, p- pivoted the video, I then jumped over to Copa 90 and pivoted the video myself. And then when Copa 90 uh, let go of their entire U.S. content team, that's when I jumped over to Bleacher Report where I am now. So that's the very long-winded <laughs> explanation to, for my backstory. <laughs> we we had some longer-winded ones on here. That was good. That was actually, that was pretty concise. That was pretty concise compared to some of the ones we had on, including anytime I open my mouth. So that was pretty good. Um, so you talk a little bit about like social media and like Twitter is how you and I know each other. Like that's how I became kind of familiarized with you are and stuff. So like, what, how, how influential, cause this is, I still really don't know what this podcast is. It's, it's listed as a relationships podcast on iTunes, which I'm not complaining about cause we're climbing the charts. Um, but so like, but Twitter, like it is a place, you know what I mean? We're of developing relationships and like, that's how I've gotten to know so many people. So like how influential and like how important has Twitter and social media been to kind of you like making connections and kind of climbing up, like you said. Like literally everything. Um, my job from Fox came from me tweeting about soccer and like blogging about soccer. Um, <clears throat> all my connections I've made, not all of them, cause I played soccer and played at a high level yeah. and I know that, but like digitally, all of my media connections in the soccer world have been made via Twitter. Um, it's like, it's basically where I live. Like it's when I discovered Twitter, it was like someone like shined a light in my face. It was like, I had been in the dark forever because I, like I, I grew up a Juventus fan, um, Italian team that had like little to no English news. 
I don't mm. know why I picked them. Like it was a terrible decision that when I was 12, like to pick an Italian team that I, I didn't speak the language and was barely covered in the U.S. But um, like I really, when Twitter came around, it was like the one place that I could find the community of English speaking Juventus fans. And then also a place where the seven million thoughts that race around my head, I can put some of them out and just like let them get, I, like I was just like, I don't care. I just need to get them out of my head somewhere. I don't like to write physically. I'm not going to like type them in notes. So I'm just like, yeah, whatever. And then people were like, oh, I vibe with some of your thoughts. And I was like, oh, this Twitter thing's kind of cool. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So that's just kind of how it works. Uh, I found like people who kind of think like me and like the same memes I do and make the same jokes that I do. And, and it's a beautiful thing. And it's nice too, because like you're a fellow volume tweeter, you know, like we have some people out here like, I love Twitter like this. And I'm like, you tweet once a day, you tweet twice a day. Like, and you do like, you give off like very similar vibes on there that I do to like, like, it's very like, you can scroll the time and like train of thought. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like this popped in my head. Like your, I don't know if I've ever had a tweet resonate more with me than yours last night when you tweeted that meme and you said, you were like, I'm sorry. I had to, like, you apologize. You're like, I had to tweet this. It was just in my head. And like, like, it's funny because like, like I'm working with Marist College right now to help de develop a curriculum with them on like social media and sports. Like I can't believe, cause I was only, I only graduated from college three years ago. But like, I can't believe that like, I didn't take a class that ever mentioned the word meme or like, I didn't take right. a class that ever really, like I never took a social media class even when I was in college. Like, so seeing like, it is important now, like there's a monetary value and like it in memes. I mean, I've somehow yeah. gotten three jobs now off, off tweeting and just, you know, making memes on the internet and stuff. But it's, it is like, it's, it's funny that you say too, cause I relate a lot to like the, like, I feel like I, I almost have two existences. Like I have my physical world existence and then I do have like this existence on Twitter and like, it is another world of mine. And it's yeah. sometimes it's a release. Sometimes it's where I go to release. And sometimes it's where I kind of have to release from and go back to real life sometimes. But glad I'm on, I, you made me feel a little less crazy for saying these things <laughs> by saying that. Um, so, you, I, yeah, so I do, I do appreciate that. So you talked a little bit too about like how your wife's a professional women's soccer player, professional soccer player, and you got to like work on the women's world cup and like really closely to that. So like how special was that to you? Cause that's, that's like, I feel like that's kind of a full circle moment. You know what I mean? Like that's like your whole world kind of wrapped up into one. So what was that like? It was incredible, man. Um, cause like I'm women's soccer is very special to me just in general, even before my <laughs> wife, like I grew up in Chapel Hill. It's like the home of women's soccer. Yeah. I grew up like playing with a lot of the UNC women's players, uh, training with them, a lot of the UNC guys. Um, so like UNC soccer specifically is very close to me and like UNC soccer and US soccer are like, like that, they're intertwined. Um, and I like have known a lot of the, the women on that team for a, like a decade. So not only was it like really cool for me professionally, like I had a personal stake in it. Like Crystal Dunn's one of my uh -huh. very good friends. So it was like really emotional for me to like cover her throughout the tournament, knowing that she like missed the last World Cup. She like how much it meant to her, her being like the only really like the face of black women in soccer. Uh, and like to see her like go through that tournament, play the way she did and win. And like for all the women on that team and just to be part of it, it was like it was insane. And plus, I was in Paris for two months. Yeah, that's so not bad. <laughs> that was like the, the greatest experience of my life. So. Yeah, it was it was wild, man. It was one of those things where the whole time, like we worked our asses off. We had a show like every day for like thirty days, um, and I'm an introvert, so I was gassed. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, we had a lot of fun. But it, 
it, I mean, and we worked our asses off, but it was it was all worth it. And like, I I don't regret a single thing about that experience. It's all, and that like that's such a nice thing. That what a refreshing thing to be able to say after an experience, especially a stressful one where you were that busy. And I think that's such a cool thing too. Like that's that's I think when I first kind of started following you on Twitter and kind of following what you were doing. And I remember thinking like obviously I got Googled you and stalked and everything like we tend to do, but like what, like you don't run into those organic, like genuine type experiences where, you know, like you did have that close connection and like you do have that kind of amazing opportunity, but you're also incredibly qualified and you should be the person talking about it. And I feel like you just don't get a ton of those in the sports world. You <laughs> know I mean, like, cause that is rare, like the things that kind of have to align for that to happen. But I remember the product and it was a good product. And I think that's a result of that. And I mean, something places should strive for. Cause like, I feel like so you can tell when something's forced, you know what I mean? Especially on social yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And I think it becomes clear and whenever you're able to do something organically and like I've, I've worked places where they're like, all right, like we want this to kind of like seem like it's from the fan perspective, even if it's not, I'm like, then find a fan to talk about it. Or like, we want this to seem like someone like close connected. I'm like, then find someone who's close connected. Oh yeah. Let me, someone who has absolutely none of the shared experiences, this person try to live tweet an event that I don't care about. So I'm glad that there are companies of people out there who are doing it organically. So (laughs) that's good. Um, so also a ton of like what you talk about on Twitter and just like in general is like FIFA playing online, you know, like you talk about your like legitimate, like Uber competitiveness on there. So like that, just, just talk about that. Like if you want, like, it's, it's just, it cracks me up. Like the idea of you, this, this super successful, like person in the soccer world, just going to war with like 12 year old kids, FIFA online. (laughs) Oh man. It's like, it's, I kind of pinpointed it. I had like a, a moment. Uh, a few months ago where I was like I this is bad like my rage is bad like when I tweet about like not playing video games with people that I don't know well it's like not really a joke because I don't want to play against people I that I like I'm friends with or like I don't play against my friends like that's a big thing it's because I'm too competitive like I like Uh it's not a good thing I don't come my wife and I will compete in some things but we know like what we cannot compete against each other in because she's just as competitive as I am Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't play against my friends. Uh, it got to a point in FIFA where I was just like getting in, like it, I was taking it way too seriously. I was just going rage, rage, rage. And it's like, as a high level athlete, like you're used to like setting goals and like training every day and doing things like this and like getting those like little like endorphin boosts from like going for a run or like playing pickup or like kicking someone like scoring goals, all those little things yeah. that you get, like you're used to every day. And I, like I was talking to actually Heather, uh, my wife and Heather O'Reilly about like, like retirement and like how you don't get that like little endorphin boost every day. Like, and it's a withdrawal thing. Uh, like you literally go into withdrawal because you're yeah. used to those little chem- <laughs> those chemical uh-huh. boosts every day. So like yeah. FIFA was like a way for me to have like that reward system. And I realized that I was like getting way too attached to it. So I had to like step away for a little while. But yeah, FIFA is like my main like outlet for that competitive drive. And I only play against strangers online. I like block my messages. Uh, I like love that. FIFA is like such a toxic game and such a toxic community. Like next year, if they don't like add the feature to skip opponents' replays and celebrations, Mm -hmm. they're just dropping, they're like fumbling the bag. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's such a source of rage because like someone will shush you. There's like a, a move where you yeah. I sent I sent you that TikTok. Around. I sent you on TikTok like last oh. month that one of the, just yeah, the guy yeah. shushing every single goal, and you said you had like a visceral yeah. reaction. I like literally when you sent it to me, my fist clenched up. I was like, oh, I'm so bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, dude, I'm I'm way too obsessed with it. I'm just obsessed with everything soccer related. I'm like constantly doing something soccer related, and especially when there's no nothing on TV. Like I'm playing football manager. I'm playing FIFA. I'm like watching old games. Like, like I it's, I need my drug, and FIFA is the biggest source of my drug. <laughs> So the streaming, yeah, have you like that? Have you been getting into the streaming game at all? Is that something you're like kind of interested in doing? Is that something like professionally you think there's a market for you to do? Kind of as someone who's who's embraced yeah. this type of stuff. It's something that like I kind of explored a year or so ago, and like realized that to be a streamer, like you have to be committed to doing it regularly. Like you have to, like you have to set a schedule. You have to like people have to know when you're when you're streaming. You can't just like pop up and be like, "Yo, I'm streaming today." Uh, yeah. which would be it's like serious, my typical serious way, business at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but kind of as things have progressed, so I've kind of reevaluated, reevaluated my priorities. Like I want to be home more. Like I'm about to have a kid. Uh, <clears throat> I had a lot of my fill of traveling over the last two years. Like my passport, like I had been to a few places, but like my passport just filled up over the last like two years uh-huh. um and so i've like had i'm not done with traveling but i definitely don't have the desire to be gone as much nearly as much as i was before so i've been just kind of exploring what my options are one of the things that just always was there and looming and was never going to go away was streaming i always wanted to kind of do it but i never wanted to like commit to the the schedule of it but now that especially with the pandemic um with me having a kid like with me kind of trying to find better ways to be around and also keep making money. Like streaming has kind of pushed itself to the forefront of what I want to do. And uh, I'm going to be streaming more regularly, like both for like a couple companies and like for myself. So that's going to slowly build up, but I'm just like also trying to like build up my tolerance to sitting and talking for three hours. <laughs> yeah. It's funny too. And like, I feel like, street uh, like this is like streaming's almost like becoming the new like professional tweeting like a few years ago everyone's like i tweet i could tweet professionally and then people try to get into it and they realize like wow it is kind of hard to find something to say every day about something or like when you're running like a small like you said you you know we're kind of like pitching different businesses and organizations like i've done the same on like the consulting side in the past and it's like okay is it worth doing a post for national nacho day like you i mean like you run into these things that you realize like aren't necessarily easy things to do and Start i feel googling like random holidays and stuff yeah. like what's today yeah. what can we tweet yeah. about today yeah which like luckily in america there's about 10 different things every single oh, day yeah. that you can find and i'm like all right exactly. like we're making a nachos graphic today like we're doing it <laughs> you get three likes and you're like maybe it wasn't worth the two hours i spent on photoshop tutorials um but it's funny that you said that like, it is true though because i really do think streaming is kind of becoming the new that and like everyone thinks they can do that and then they realize it's really hard to be like the multitasking aspect of it is not easy and you just kind of find people like it's definitely finding your voice and being able to go and do that and then carving out like anything else, kind of carving out your niche in that space. And it might be the only place too where people are meaner than they are on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like the comment, like the comment section on Twitch streams. Like I, I feel like I'm creative. Yeah. Oh, YouTube. YouTube. I, think it's, YouTube, it's YouTube. I don't even check. Yeah. Twitch, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even talk. I don't even touch YouTube. YouTube are the worst humans alive. Like I don't yeah. care what you are off that platform when you, enter when you log on to youtube you just become a demon like yeah i will raise you the my new employer where i've recently started blogging the barstool sports comment section might be the worst place on earth it might truly be the worst place in the history of the world we won't we don't have to get yeah we don't have to we don't have to get too far into it um but because this is an unaffiliated podcast but yes that is probably the worst place in the entire world it is up there with youtube it is giving youtube a run for their money 
I might try to, I might learn HTML just so I no longer have access to be able to read the comments on my own things I'm posting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I might block myself. Um, yeah, so you I've talked about doing that before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I block yeah. my own thoughts? Can I shut yeah, myself Yeah, I know, up? right? Yeah. <laughs> So you said, said how about how you're going to be a dad soon? And like, you are like, I think you are, we both, we both fit into this, this demographic, like this genre on Twitter, but like, you are like a prototypical dog dad right now on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like you're always showing off your dog. Like you could tell you just like, you could just tell you love that dog so much. Yeah. He's right there. Exactly. He's hanging. <laughs> Perfect. So do you feel, because actually it's funny how this keeps coming up. Like, again, I mentioned Katie earlier, like I had Katie Nolan on the podcast last week and she talked about she like, like a dog mom and that's like a big thing for her and stuff. So honestly, do you feel like the, your just incredibly online dog dadness has helped prepare you for real dadness that's coming soon? Yes, actually. Um, yeah. Because before I had Ajax, I, was, I had like no continuity, basically. Like I would wake up mm-hmm. when the hell ever. Like I would stay up at all times of the night. Like I would just... I'd go, you just like, like my girlfriend was in another city or country. So I just like travel. I just like go to, if I was living in uh, North Carolina, I'd go to DC. If I was living in Jersey, I'd go to like, I'd just pop Mm -hmm. all over the place. But now like I have a lot more continuity. I have like actual daily routine. I used to hate routines. Like I hated anything that like felt like it made me like, become like mundane boring like getting to the same like oh i'm doing the same thing like i could not stand it like if i'm the type of person where i like hate being told so much so told what to do so much if i put something in my calendar for friday i'm like i'm not doing that (laughs) (laughs) just because i I, it's on the calendar i'm like i'm not doing it's it's just something in my head it's weird but like having a dog like i wake up every morning and take him out i'm up every day by like seven um like I make sure I like it's something to take care of that is like and train and with a dog the most important thing is consistency. It's like once mm-hmm. you set these because they crave like, that they break, need that yeah they need it like like it's good for them it's good for you like if and if you're inconsistent they it's like confusing for them. So for me it's just like made me a more consistent person. I think a more reliable person probably a better person if we can be honest uh, it like gave me something to focus on like I was kind of lost for a few years I think uh I, and like I wanted like I love dogs I loved dogs my entire life <clears throat> I had dogs growing up but like for the last 10 years before I got him like I wanted a dog game for time but my job was constantly changing I didn't know if I was gonna have a job I didn't know what where I'd be living like so it didn't make sense to get a, a dog where I didn't know if I'd be able to take care of him uh, so when I got him, it was like, I was in the, the, I was in LA. I was like working for Fox. I was in a really good space. I felt like it was the right time. And so it was like the perfect situation and I was ready for it and I'm ready to kind of like change my life in that way. So it was just kind of a, a whole like part of growing up thing where it was like the next step, uh, was get a dog and get your life together. And then now I'm having a kid. So I'm, I'm like, under no illusions that like dog daddom is the same as having a kid, but it is a very logical step before that. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I think it's a reason it's a step so many people take, you know what I mean? Um, I'm not close to that, so I can't like fully relate to that. But no, I mean, it's just like, it's funny. I love, I love, like, I just feel like, like immediately if I follow someone on Twitter, follow someone on Instagram, where be it and there, you know, just like, 
posting about their dog like crazy, posting stuff on there. I'm just like, all right, like this is someone immediately like that already knocks them to a certain level where I'm like, all right, like I, yeah. I, I vibe with this per- person on a certain level. So that helps too. It's people that um, like dogs the- are not, not terrible people. If you, no, like, if I feel like if the, you don't like dogs, there's something wrong with you. Exactly. Like the floor, like the, the floor for people who like dogs is just like a little bit higher. And, but the ceiling for people who don't like dogs is like the floor. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want those, like, I don't want those people near me. I don't, I you have a dog. And My producer, will, dog. they just got a dog recently. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> for the purposes of this podcast, I will say if you had a bad experience with a dog, like early on, and that's why you uh-huh. don't like dogs, I'll allow it. Like if You'll you got bitten it? by a Rottweiler when you were like three and you don't like yeah. dogs or Rottweilers. I get it. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's that's fair. We don't want we don't want to isolate anyone here. We don't we don't want anyone feeling left out. So that I'm like, glad I have an irrational hate for standard poodles because when I was six, one I was in my front yard playing soccer with my brother, and one of them chased mm-hmm. me from like the street into the house, and my brother was like pulling me along, and the standard poodle was my height at that time. So I just I yeah. cannot stand standard poodles. <laughs> that's not traumatizing though honestly like it being whatever age and looking eye to eye is not really that much fun <laughs> no no yeah you lose the, the hierarchy of hu- of of life and humans to dogs goes way yeah. out the window when they're looking when they're looking you in the eye start feeling like prehistoric times it's like i don't think i'm talking yeah. here <laughs> yeah <laughs> might be sharing a block on, on, on the whole thing <laughs> Well, that's all we have for today. That's all I have for you. Um, I have to get better about this. So like, what's going on with you? What do you want to pitch? Like what's going on? Like the problem is everyone I have on this podcast is much more important than me. And I don't like my, like I'm not sending many people their way, but we're going to give it a shot. So where, where can people find you? What can they check out? What's the deal? Check me out on Twitter at Oeste. It's West in Spanish and Twitch, A-Y-Y-Y underscore West, A-West. And then check check my dog out whenever you can check him out yeah. all the time. There we go. Oh wait, one final question. So are you? Because and before you make fun of me, but I'll get it out there. Like I have my own Instagram account for my dog. Is that anything you ever considered or not? Is that not not, not your thing? Uh, or do you have one? My wife created one, but she okay. kind of got bored with it. So he has one with a lot of like gorgeous, cute puppy pictures, but she hasn't posted uh-huh. on it in a while. Um, but yeah, she was she like when she was so she's now retired. Stop. Uh, technically retired she's not officially retired but she's like yeah. stopped playing for now um mm-hmm. but so she's now she has her own company called technique football and she is the executive director of the nwsl players association so she awesome. doesn't really have time to like create funny captions for the the dog but when she was playing and like had a lot of downtime she was she yeah. was doing that i like how I, I had ajax when she was apart well when she was in season so i just send her pictures and she'd caption them but now his Instagram's kind of dead. I do have one uh, where I made it, I just made one of him like eating things. It's Ajax eating things. Uh, there we go. So anytime <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm eating and he pops up, which is all the time, I'll, uh, sometimes I'll take a nice little video depending on how uh, the sound of the food, but it's the only yeah. thing I have to plug. <laughs> I love that too. I love your your tweets with him where you're just like the food beggar has returned, or just like the beggar is back. Those are so good because those eyes, man. I don't know how you say no. I don't know how you do he is it. I have to so good at begging. My God. Yeah, I have days like, and like hours when I can't make eye contact with my dog because I know if I do, it's just game over. Like I'm just like, like I said that to my parents last night because I'm here. And like, I was like he's begging. I'm like, don't make eye contact. They're like, well, I'm like, just don't make eye contact with him. I'm like, because it's over once you do. Um, it's a wrap. Yeah, Aaron. it's a wrap. For random Twitter followers this week, I actually have on my parents who I'm visiting down in North Carolina and who have been asking me to come on all the time, so I'm going to let them do it. Here's that. 
Okay, so what were your initial feelings when you heard that I wanted to leave a stable profession like teaching to head into kind of an unknown thing like social media? Mom? Well, as you know, we've always supported you for anything you've wanted to do. I know you were hesitant when you initially were thinking about leaving teaching and doing that, but dad and I both felt that if you don't take risks, then you won't know what you're capable of. So I think we had to sit down with you and said, you do it, if it doesn't work out, School will always be there. You could always go back and get your degree in teaching. Sounds familiar. Dad? Same, same. Exactly what mom said. We uh, we want you to be happy. We want you to pursue what you want to do. And if that meant dropping the profession that, that I did, that was absolutely fine. As long as you were chasing your passion. So we were fine with it. All right. So something that kind of happens as a result of, you know, leaving. I, I you know, I've talked a million times on here about SI and XFL and everything. There's no reason to get into all of that. Everyone at this point knows. So now that I'm kind of like transitioning into having more followers and being more, I guess you could say like it's a kind of a D-bag term, but like relevant. What is it like to kind of see people come out of the woodwork and be mean to me on social media and be in my replies and give me a hard time? Well, (laughs) as your mom, I do want to defend you sometimes. I definitely will see things on Twitter and I'll start to type Uh, Sometimes I will reply and then I'll delete my tweet. Sometimes I don't even realize, like, I just do it so knee-jerk response. Someone says something and I'm like, no, that's not what he meant. That's not what he was saying. Uh, But you have had a little bit of a sit down with me and said, you just got to let it go. Like, I know you're my mom. I know you care about me. I know you want to do what's right, but I don't really need people fighting with my mom on Twitter. So um, it's hard. I'm I'm your mom, you're my kid, and I I don't want anybody picking on you or saying anything mean about you. So uh, it's been a little difficult, but I'm getting better at it. There's a few people that I've wanted to get into a fist fight with, I would say, probably go after. <laughs> I, I tend to goof on people too, so I understand that piece of the internet. I think the part that bothers me the most is when somebody chirps in with misinformation. If they're going to make fun of you, that you know, you make fun of people. Oh, we're we make, constantly making fun of one another, so that's fine. Yeah, so we've done that your whole life. So we have thick skin to that. It's more the misinformation when I see somebody put something out there that just isn't true. That's uh, that's when I feel like I want to. Yeah, not them. true and downright mean. Not someone trying to be funny and it just misses its mark, and people just being jerks and saying jerky things, nah. but like just mean misinformation and I'll be honest with you pisses me off when people say stuff about your mental health and they say oh use your mental health boy to get yourself a job and I'm like oh my god clearly this person doesn't suffer from any sort of mental health issues or they they, do and that's and that's how they're that's how they're dealing with it rather than more productive measures but dad and I want to fight people probably on the on the reg for you that's (laughs) like that's the one piece that bothers me is when they they play the the that you're using your uh, mental illness to get an edge or, or to put it out there, that that's bothersome. That's the part where I, my blood boils. The rest, when they're making fun of you for the way you look, the way you act, no, I have no issue with that. Oh, yeah, we jump right We've back been doing that. You guys, We've you been guys, doing that all our lives. You guys have all been known to, known to chime in and joke on occasion, so that's good that you can kind of see the difference and see both, both sides. Because I don't want you guys seeing me. No one wants to see. I think most people try to kind of hide and shelter their parents from things in general. And it's difficult to do when you operate in the space that I do online, which is both being very online and on top of that, being very open and honest online, not really hiding anything between the two. But and I appreciate the fact that you do want to fight people on the internet for me. It's just probably not great for, not a great look for me to have you doing so. So another thing kind of similar to that, I know we talked a little bit about like mental health stuff. 
Is it strange to kind of sometimes find out about like life events or mine or general goings ons and stuff like that via social media? We don't have to get like too deep on that because I don't want to on this, but or just, you know, even in college, like joking and being open about like drunken nights or something like that. I know, Dad, you have opinions on this. Well, it's kind of odd and it's a new world when you find out and you make sure that your your kids survived a night of of boozing when they send off that fire off that first tweet in the morning and then. Your mom and I'd be like, okay, Bailey made it through. Uh, a, he's alive. A, he's alive. He made it through his fraternity party. He made it through kind of a event he went to. So that's a, a world that we're negotiating, which is obviously very different than our parents. Yeah, our we parents were. Knew, parents knew nothing we were up to. Yeah, we Whereas, were naive to think you weren't doing things in college. Uh, we knew that you were probably partying like the rest of them. But like Dad said, we would wait for that first tweet or that first Facebook post in the morning to be like, wow, you're great because you wouldn't necessarily tweet us or text us because you were always going into class, getting in an elevator, heading into the dining hall, which we don't believe was always true. Most, but you, it's true most of the time. You seem to be getting on lots of elevators in college. Oh, got to go, mom, getting in an elevator. So um, it's nice social media that way to be able to, you know, see that you're alive and well and the interaction. Um, we have had a couple instances with your mental health before we were completely in the picture of that and understanding of it, where you posted something and um, we, I think the first time we saw it online before you discussed it with us. And then you talked to us about sometimes it's easier for me to just do that, but I won't keep you guys in the dark. Well, it's obviously, it's it's easier to just kind of shout into the void that is social media than it is to bring someone, bring something up to someone that you know is either going to stress about it or it's going to become something that they... Oh, I mean, for stress sure. is the, maybe the wrong word, but it, it is easier just sometimes. Concern. Yeah, parental yeah. concern. But you've been great now about saying, hey, just a heads up, I'm going to post something online about this. I wrote something about that. I wrote, you know, did this, did that. And you've also been great about asking us to listen to certain things and read certain things like the Hilarious World of Depression podcast and whatnot, which has really helped us to understand more of, um, you know, the mental illness aspect and the difficulties that you can sometimes have. But yeah, it is hard sometimes finding things out about, you know, you through the internet. Anything you want to ask me before we finish up? Because we're about at the capacity. Yeah, who's, who's your favorite parent? I can't answer. I don't have a favorite parent. Uh, who's the funnier parent? Funnier on social media? Dad. Boom. Wow. And he's just more online. He's more active. He tries way more. I think you use... You, meaning mom, use social media more as like a place to be kind and spread positivity and spread positive messages and like inform people about things you care about. Dad kind of uses it to pile on when I'm getting made fun of and All goof right. on his friends and stuff I guess like that's that. That's fair. How, so. how can I improve my Twitter game? At Jerry Carlin, anybody <laughs> wants to. I was gonna let you. I was gonna let you plug at the end, like I always do. Um, so wait, so how could you improve your Twitter game? Yes. Just keep just riding riding the valley wave, I would say, and just hopping on there. Because I think it, it is a relatively unique thing. And I think that'll be maybe become more relevant as people who are in the younger demographic like I am end up getting into notable roles and getting more followers and just kind of being being faces of organizations and stuff. like. Not that I'm the face of any organization, but I think but in the, future. the more... The more people around my age that you see that happen is the more parents that like people who actually have parents on Twitter and stuff. So I think right now it's a pretty unique thing and you can, you know, fill fill that niche a little bit. I think so it, works. it sounds like we can at Bailey Carlin every you single can. tweet we just send be ready, now. Just be ready for just be ready for the Well, the in your in your new uh, in your new uh, job that you have, we've already discussed that uh, mom needs to be completely 
silent yeah. on, on uh, barstool, barstool stuff. stuff. Yeah, so, we're not talking about barstool stuff on, yeah. on social media. Yes. I don't, as, as thankful as I am to those who have been kind, that comment section is not one that I want to spring on my yeah, parents. No, so. I, uh, There's not, a limit to our thick I will not skinness. be following that uh, yeah. Twitter thread. Yeah. So, Mom, where can people find you on Twitter? I am at Carlin Kim, C-A-R-L-I-N-K-I-M. And Dad? At Jerry with a G, capital G, E-R-R-Y, capital C. Capital letters don't matter in Twitter names. Okay, see that? Carlin. (laughs) At Jerry Carlin. Hit me up. We can chat. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. Love you. Love you too. Bye. So that's it for episode six. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to rate, subscribe, review, whatever's easy to do on the podcast platform you listen to on and follow us on Twitter at MemeGoofin and follow me on Twitter at Bailey Carlin. See you next week. Thank you.